attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Thank you to Incarb for their support of this podcast episode. Visit incarb.org slash AOP and contribute to the analysis of practice survey today. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked to Pascal Sablon. She's a senior associate at Adjay Associates Architects. She's the president-elect of the National Organization for Minority Architects and the founder and executive director of Beyond the Built Environment. I'll be honest, as we head into weeks where we have a Context and Clarity live guest who will inspire five days worth of conversations about justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion topics, I have to make sure that I check myself at the door. Necessary or not, I always want to make sure that everyone knows, as the proverbial middle-aged white guy in the room, I know that I cannot share the experiences or perspectives of a person of color or a minority architect or anything but my own. I know that I'm not here to share wisdom or insights. I'm simply here to facilitate a conversation, to listen, and most importantly, to learn. And learn I did. 
Pascal carries a power and a passion that's unmatched, and I appreciate her for giving us all the grace and the space to fumble around as we try to get to a place of understanding and respect for a history and experiences that we may not have known before. Before we get into our conversation, if you aren't familiar with Pascal Sablon or her work, go check out Beyond the Built Environment and the Say It Loud exhibits, and then report back on what you took away from those. For this episode, our backstage guest is Morrisville, Vermont-based architect, artist, and activist, Jay Caroli. Jay is the principal architect of Great Blue Heron Studio Architects and a managing member of development firm Place LLC. I'm curious to hear their takeaway, so let's go backstage and listen in as my co-host Catherine McPhail, Jay, and I all talk about our conversation with Pascal Sablon. I thought that was just an awesome context and clarity. Pascal is a is a force. I mean, I, I don't even know how else to describe her. Um, she, it's I don't even think passion really does her justice. I mean, passion and energy and uh, purpose and 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 all driving towards a very clear vision. And she describes the world that she wants to see. And it's, it was amazing and beautiful. The world that I want to see is one that's free of racism, sexism, and other forms of oppression. So much of the work that I do is really about finding and sussing out the systematic issues and dismantling it. I get so tired of breaking shackles every day and chains every day. I just, I get so amped and excited about celebrating and elevating. What does society look like in a just world? That's what I want to see. So the world I want to see is one that's finally free from deburdening people with oppressions and injustices and actually seeing people flourish and fly in their true selves and identities and through their passions. That that was, I, I agree, it was an awesome conversation. One thing I thought was interesting that she said was that in response to why is it that women have to be that much better or perfect all the time to be taken seriously. And she was saying that she puts all this effort into what she does. And it has come to pass then that she's got all these awards and accomplishments and everything because she gives so much of herself. But I, I just thought that was an interesting truth that I think a lot of women have about having to put away as much as they can and more than they probably should for their own personal relationships and health into their career to be taken seriously. Did she start by saying, you know, I, I, as a black person, I was used to doing this and then I became a mother and it just exponentially became true. Well, I think she was saying as a mother, she, she realized that women have challenges as well as just, she was just relating to the uh, black people having challenges before she became a mother. First of all, to see someone that's as accomplished as she is. Um, no matter what her background is, is amazing. But, you know, given her background, the story about first first year, I don't know if it was first day, but very early in her, her uh, academic career. 
during my first slash second week of college in architecture school, a professor asked me and another student to stand. Um, and so we stood up thinking we're being volunteered to mean, you know, start an effort or whatever. And he said, okay, so these two, for example, will never become architects because they're black and because they're women. And okay, you guys can sit down now. That was the, the lesson of the day, right? So I sit down, the, my peer to my left, uh, Simon C., I'll never forget, said, Pascal, that better not be the reason why you stop. You better persevere and prove him wrong, right? And that was the words me as a competitive person needed to hear to persevere through that moment. But when I do my public speaking and my lectures, I often ask the audience to stand if they've ever been told that they're inadequate because of their gender and race. And people are standing. People are standing in schools of architecture. People are standing in conferences. People are standing in professional settings. And so the under what I'm trying to say is that it's upsetting, it's shocking, but it doesn't just happen to me. It is it is actually part of the system of maintaining a reduced number of women and people of color in the profession. The professor having the two black women in the in the class stand up and say these two won't make it that that's just mind boggling to me to to see someone be able to take all of that and and she she talked about that professor basically that that uh that experience that event basically becoming a motivator for her to do all of these things but to be able to synthesize all of this and uh focus it in a, in a very pointed direction i i think is again i'm back to awesome or amazing or some some a word that doesn't doesn't seem to do it justice but um but inspiring certainly the whole conversation was was really enlightening for me, and part of it was um, this: the week's conversation, in context and clarity, leading up to this, was very difficult for me, and I have been vocal about a lot of these these issues for a long time, and I and I and I'm not sure why I was struggling. I think my realization it was that to hear her speak so so well about these things that we struggled all week to talk about. I don't know. I don't know if that if that makes any sense or resonates. It it does to me. I can see what you're saying because Pascal Sablon comes out of the gate, and and you know I keep saying this over and over, but she's so passionate, so driven, so focused and speak so eloquently about all of these things that we struggled with all week and, and just, you know, puts the point on it and drives the nail home. And I really appreciate that about this conversation. It, it's, you said enlightening, it's enlightening for me as well. I learned a lot of things in this conversation today. So you, you asked if it resonated. Yeah, it absolutely resonated with me. One part that I, kind of found surprising was the when someone asked how do we include everyone at the table invite everybody to the table and she had said that it's all about trust and it's a trust building exercise based on whether you take any action on what they told you and so that's how you get people to keep coming back is by actually um, doing something with the information instead of re-traumatizing them for no reason Please stop asking community people to come in and fill surveys and come eat cold pizza and some flat soda to talk about your project and, and get post-it notes of what they want. And then once they move, go, that doesn't match my aesthetic. It doesn't matter. Because the next person who comes to that community and says, hey, I want to engage, they're like, man, keep it. 
keep it. And that's what I'm saying. We need to really, really, really be systematic. So I felt like, oh, I mean, that makes total sense, but I, I found it surprising. Um, somehow I was surprised by that answer. I love that answer. Yeah, I love that answer too. And I was wondering what we're going to do, what we're going to do about it. Because I feel like we've had these other conversations about inclusivity and everything. And what have we actually done? Yeah. Why, why should my discomfort, right? If I own that, why should my discomfort have anything to do with, with the, the conversation? I hope other people heard that. All right. I know there are people that don't show up for these, these conversations and these types of week because it's uncomfortable. And, and so hopefully that statement, it, it may not resonate, but hopefully it challenges you in a good way or even a bad way, really to motivate you to show up to show up and, and be a part of the conversation. Just, just listen, just come and listen and be open. Um, but and make mistakes, Jeff, I've, I've heard you say, you know, I don't know. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this and I might get it wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to continue to talk about it and try and do the same thing. But yeah, I, I think that's important, right? If, if I waited until I understood the experiences of a, a young African American woman architect, I'm never going to be a part of the conversation. And I, I think you, she mentioned, you, Catherine, you, you just said it. She mentioned trust as an exercise in trust. One of the things that I think we have done well at Context and Clarity is we have developed a safe space for people to come and have a voice and have these conversations. I have to trust that when I show up for one of these conversations, if I completely step in it, if I completely, and you know, from my point of view, it's going to be unintentional. If I really offend somebody or I really take something completely off the rails, it's going to be to, due to my lack of knowledge. It's going to be due to my lack of experience you know, those, those types of things for me, but I have to trust that there are people in the room that will accept that. And that will give me a little bit of grace around that, maybe some forgiveness around that. And my hope is that someone will correct me and set me off on the right path. Um, I, to me, I think that's, what's, what's necessary in these conversations. And I, you know, I might be wrong about that. So the, if the question is, what are we going to do, I, you know, or, or what's, what application can I apply after listening to her? And I think, and I, and I think she challenged us or she didn't challenge us. She just said, you know, don't invite me and then do nothing. We need to really, really, really be systematic and understanding that when we say uncomfortable conversations, Uncomfortable for who? I'm in a constant state of uncomfortability. So why are we acknowledging your discomfort to have a conversation when we're not excusing the fact that I'm already living in that space? So uncomfortability is an irrelevance for me. I want to know about the action. When I tell you this, what's going to happen? Are you feeling, are you going to say, wow, that was interesting and just go about your day and maintain the same thing that you've always been doing? Or am I motivating or inspiring somebody on this community to do something different, to evaluate and assess differently?
I'm really um, inspired by Pascal to to go and be a disruptor, and and I think I've been a disruptor in the past, and and very purposefully made people uncomfortable. And I don't want to do it that way anymore. I want to do it with love, and and eloquence, and and I'm and I and so my that's my takeaway, and that's my what I want to apply this conversation to, to how do I make white men uncomfortable as a as a white able-bodied cisgender male? Um, how do I go out and make other white men uncomfortable? and bring them into the conversation. So make them uncomfortable, but but still beg them in to the conversation. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. I'll bet you have ideas about how to improve the profession of architecture. NCARB wants to hear from you. Their ongoing analysis of practice study is your opportunity to shape the future of architecture. Share your experiences and your insights from working in architecture and tell NCARB what you wish they would do better. Your feedback is important because it will help guide changes to the national experience and examination programs for architects, and it will impact what being a licensed architect could look like. Whether you're an architect or you work with architects, NCARB wants to hear from you. Make sure that your voice is heard. Contribute to the analysis of practice study today. Sign up at ncarb.org slash AOP. And now let's get back to the conversation. One thing that I, it actually came from Christian and Christian posted that um, black women make up 0.27% of architects. Pascal is Pascal Sablon is the 315th living African-American woman architect in the United States. And there are 115,000 that are currently, not in history, there are currently 115,000 registered or licensed architects in the United States. And that that is 315 is an amazingly small number. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of mind boggling. There's another initiative out there that's this, uh, is it called the first 500? I believe, um, Pascal was talking about that and it's, it's five twenty something, five thirty something somewhere in that, that neighborhood. And one of the things that, um, that I had was in 2021, Pascal was awarded the AIA Whitney M. Young Jr. Award. Um, and there's a famous quote from Whitney Young. He delivered a, a speech to the AIA in 1968. And just a, a small portion of that, that speech, he said, you are not a profession that has distinguished itself by your social and civic contributions to the cause of civil rights. You are most distinguished by your thunderous silence and your complete irrelevance. And that, that that's a painful quote for a lot of architects. And I think it's 100% true. So how do we make room for those people, whatever their experience is? How do we clear a path? And as Pascal said, it's not about lowering the bar. 
It's about realizing that there are other ways. So that, that to me, I think is something in there is something that I can apply. The part where she was talking about how, how do firms promote people? What are they expecting to people to do to get promoted that they should publish that. And so that you can see if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing or not. And then they can look and see if, if they're, reasons for promoting people if it's equitable or not you know so i thought that was that was a good she had a lot of good actionable items that people could actually do by no means is anyone asking for the bar to be lowered and i want to be very clear about that right we're not asking for the bar to be lowered but what we are asking is that we take a look at the systems to see if there's embedded racist and sexist components that is hindering qualified people from consideration, right? And when we talk about from the lens of a, a, a firm structure, right, that requirements of what it takes to go from a junior architect to a, a architect lead in your office, those steps and what it takes to get there is very ambiguous and not very pub is not published, right? And it requires you to create a relationship with leadership that helps guide you and mentor you in that, in that capacity. Um, and so, if you do not connect with one of the leaders, you're, you really are outside of that no. So part of the justice building there is to have and encourage firms to publish what it requires for promotions. What is exactly their role for your title, right? Sometimes people are like, oh, you're underperforming. Okay, where was the list that told me what you required and expected from me in the first place? Right. And so that's something that we need to recognize is the access to information and ensure that the criteria in which we're looking at is equitable. I hope that was a call to action for people. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to the part, even when she talked about the, um, the community meetings, right? You invite the public and the, the cold pizza and the flat, flat soda. Um, and, and she said, you know, everybody got their post-it note and then the, the meeting's over and the team, you know, says, well, we're not doing anything because it doesn't doesn't match up with our aesthetic, I think is how she said it. And I don't know about anybody else. I don't know what kind of projects others have been involved in, but I have actually seen that. I've been a part of those, um, th that type of situation. And the, what she said is exactly right. Why would you show up again? And, and there people that are showing up and, oh, all voices are important. You know, here's your post-it note, et cetera. They're not stupid. They recognize the fact that nothing that they put on a post-it note or any of their neighbors or family or friends put on a post-it note showed up in that project. So I hope that's a big call to action for people as well, um, people in the profession as well, because that's that. when she said that, that was to me that was like a kick in the face. You know, it's like I, I, have, I have been in that conversation before. I know it happens. And I think it happens a lot. Um, so hopefully we can we can change that. You know that gets to the, you know maybe maybe the beyond the built environment piece of it. But um, uh, I hope that comment that she made or that that uh, those thoughts that she was sharing have an impact on folks. I I joined Noma this week. It hadn't occurred to me that I could join Noma. I'm not a minority architect. But I can join and I can um, you know, pay my fee and then my fee goes towards that organization and that organization's vision and mission. Yeah, I think that's probably 
something that a lot of us don't think about is, oh, well, how could, you know, how could I as, as not a minority architect be a part of that? So that's, it's good to know. Um, and it's also important to point out, right, if, if you're listening to this and you go, okay, you know, women architects or black women architects, it's beyond the built environment and NOMA is not, and I don't mean this to be demeaning in any way, but it's not just about women architects either, you know, beyond the, if you go to beyondthebuilt.com and go to the say it loud tab, you can see there, there are a number of, of, uh, exhibitors from the say it loud initiative and they're all types of people of color. And, and as, as Pascal said, as she was talking about, um, say it loud, I think it's in two weeks the exhibit is going to open in Australia and wherever it is, wherever it shows up, it features stories of people from the community, people of color, uh, women, uh, minorities from the community who are architects and designers. So, uh, that's, that's one of the things that I love about that particular is that a, a kid or an adult could see the, the, uh, exhibit and go, Oh, you know, here's my neighbor. Here's somebody in my town or my city, wherever they are, that looks like me and they do this work, you know, maybe they're inspired by that, or maybe they have a, a, a different connection, uh, something like that. So I, I think it's, you know, there, there's so much, um, culturally and, and, uh, you know, there's so much diversity that we should be celebrating. And I, I applaud, uh, Pascal for all of all of her initiatives because it's it's really amazing the voices that she's elevating uh, the projects and the work and everything else that she's elevating now around the world these these are conversations that we need to continue to have and have more of and probably more often um, and again i i think from the point of view of i'm here to listen and learn and understand um, so that's that's a that's another big takeaway to wrap this up. But any, any last thoughts from you, Jay, or you, Catherine, about uh, what you're going to do with this or, or how we, maybe as even as a community, how we can. I'm going to go do that um, magazine, the magazine, writing to the magazines as she asked us to. I also launched another initiative as part of my Dismantling Injustice Initiative called Say It With Media. And what I'm doing there is asking media, prints, and publications to track and publish the amount of women and BIPOC designers that they put out in their platforms per year and increase it by 5% annually until a minimum of 15%. Now, the reason for this, like I, I love my favorite quote is, you know, you can't manage what you don't measure. And so, yes, everybody's saying, yay, 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 more diversity. And we definitely see the push in February for Black History Month. And we see the push in March for Women's Month. And we see the push again in September, October. For, like, it's like, okay, but can we do this all year round? Can we, can we be committed to following, following this content? And the first thing they always say is, we're scared we won't have enough content. And I said, don't you worry. I got say aloud exhibitions coming in everywhere across the world. There's constantly going to be content for you. And if you really think we're not already here doing amazing work, just hasn't been shined the light on us, you're disadvantaged, right? And so, so far we have six publications who signed up and we have a collective 353,000 monthly impressions from the publications who signed up. And that I say to my community, right? These are the publications who care to hear your story. 
When you finish a project, this is who you're selling, sending those images and those narratives to because they want to celebrate you. And I'm asking us, all of us in this community, to reach out to these publications and say, can you sign on to this pledge? Because I personally have touch point with every single major publication in uh, architecture and landscape. And a lot of there's a lot of hesitation. But yeah, it's true because it's just me asking. But what if there was one day where we all sat down and we all sent that email? And so on the web page now, I have a thumbnail for every publication, their estimated monthly impression. And when you click the thumbnail, an email auto-populated with their contact information for the executive editor or whoever that would need to comes up and you can say, I want you to sign up for this pledge and push that agenda forward. But I think really it's not just a matter about us documenting ourselves, although important. And it's not just a matter of heralding us during you know the few months of the year that it's focused on. But it's also recognizing that it takes the industry of publications to take on this role also to amplify our voice, amplify our work at the same time. Go to the Beyond the Built Environment website, which is beyondthebuilt.com. And Pascal has set it up so you can you can click on thumbnails and it will populate um, emails for you. You can reach out to publications and request that they... Uh, cover and highlight great diverse designers. And so the way that you get there is beyondthebuilt.com slash sayitwithmedia. It makes it very easy for you to reach out and say, hey, we want to we want to see more of these people. We want to hear about more of these people being featured in your uh, publication and being and have their voices elevated. So that's something that we can all do. And um, it's pretty easy to do. So I'd encourage everybody to do that. This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is supported by NCARB. You have the power to influence the future of how architects are educated, trained, and licensed. Take the analysis of practice survey today. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you are so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week, and in the meantime... I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics 
that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.